a huge honor for me to have Sikh Dad, aka Gurpreet Singh, or Gurpreet Singh, aka Sikh Dad, on the show today. Um, we've got lots of questions in from you guys, which is great. Before we get into the interview, please smash the like button, show him your appreciation, and um, how we appreciate his time that he's taken out today. He does a lot. So I, I'm kind of amazed how somebody who has four kids can do anything. But he's part of, for as long as I know, been part of Share Charity, which has done some amazing work. If you don't know, please please look them up. They've done some great stuff, including um, um, Seek You to the Max. Then there's the Seek Dad platform, which is always coming up on my feed. Uh, and, and it's great because it's actually outside of the community. It's going into mainstream media. Um, lots of lots of um, great exposure, which is which is brilliant and and makes it more um, down to earth, I think, rather than just somebody who's a Sikh and then somebody who's a parent. You're trying to merge those two, those two. And then there's the blog. We're going along with that. And over the last couple of years, um, a real big promotion on, on mental health and um, working with Mind Charity as well. And bringing that to the forefront, I mean, I, I produce some content for social media and I know how much time it takes. So, you know, the, the fact that you're doing all that you do on top of your work is just really commendable. But we'll get into all of that. Did I miss anything in, in the introduction? No, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I really appreciate, um, you know, what you're doing um, on your platforms as well. And um, I, when I first started parent blogging as well, you you were one of the people that I looked at uh, on social media, and and what you were doing, um, you know, around you know around your business, and then you know promoting, you know, being a father. I mean, your children were very young then. I know they're still young, but I was looking at what you were doing as well, um, and that was very motivational. And um, I think, like you said, there's that mutual respect with people because I see what you do, and I know how hard that is, and how much time that it takes. And how worthwhile it is um, as well. So you know, and I've seen you know you've had lots of amazing guests on lately. So you know, I'm I'm privileged to to be one of them as well. Awesome. Um, so I wanted to to kind of backtrack on that a little bit. And we both have our kids on social media. I don't know. This is a question that we we talked about previously, but it's just come into my head. And um, you know, a lot of people don't do that now. A lot of people cover the face of their child or. Or, or that kind of stuff and and there's an argument which is that children shouldn't be on social media because they don't have a say with their two their minors and they might resent us when they get older and clearly we have our own opinion because we both have our children on social media um how's that journey been for you and and like what are the pros and cons of that or what, what swayed your decision to to have them on that's a good question um i think how it began is when I started parent blogging, um, I first, you know, you were one of the people that I contacted at the beginning and, and said, let's do something for dads kind of thing. And we will create some videos and whatnot. But at some point people need to connect with someone's lifestyle journey and experiences. And back then no one was really covering their children's faces, like they are now. Um, and how, uh, you know, myself and your Bendy Naruko uh, Sikh mum, we raised Mansimal, uh was to be, you know, because she comes from a media background. So she's always been into photos, videos, and all of this stuff. So from when Mansimal was a young age, she was getting her to do videos. And that's why she's quite, you know, confident now mm -hmm. with doing stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's always been a part of our sort of family, you know, and, you know, when I began um, sort of parent blogging, like I said, I just was was sharing uh, two girls at the time, and Simran and Guleen. Um, and for a dad, you know, with two girls and no boy, you know, it was just about showcasing what we were doing. We were raising them in Sikhi, yeah? They looked different. Um, and it was about saying that, hey, look, my kids can um, have a good time, just like any other children, that we're, they're not missing out on anything with us raising them uh, within within Sikhi, for example. So it was just very natural um, and, you know, just sharing sharing photos and things like that. But I do understand, obviously, you know, um, what people are saying and I have been questioned um, about it. Um, and, you know, 
it's up it's it's ultimately down to the individual at the end of the day what it is that they feel is the right thing to do or not um but it's how much of it can we actually control as well um i mean i think you know about we can know about privacy we can know about lots of things um and it's you know people need to do their own research and be educated on it but it's very difficult in this day and age where every single device we have is connected to the internet um in our in our house we've got smart homes pretty much you know so w- where do we kind of draw the line um on this um and you know if we if we get into google and type in any of our names somewhere down the line there will be some sort of time stamp of us doing something um but i do understand because you know sometimes i i see um you know you know people are saving photos of children and stuff like you just don't know what's going on out there and it is scary um but i think you know with with purpose in mind and i appreciate why people have private accounts and things like that um but when you are doing like what we are doing as well um you you kind of have to show the reality of that it's very difficult for people to connect with with faceless um with faceless um you know um images in in yeah. front of them and you know people see you out and about as well or it, you can't stop someone taking a photo of you as well a bit difficult as well and all this kind of stuff so it is a really difficult one but to be honest it's just felt right like that from the beginning um with it um but like yeah. I said, it's down to personal preference yeah. i agree with you 100% i think you got to keep a goal in mind and if you had faceless children um then you wouldn't have been able to do what you've done it is it just wouldn't have happened like the the kind of mainstream media coverage um that you've had and uh, you know mainstream has had it would not be possible so at some point somebody's got to actually cross that that boundary and 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 put themselves out there and say look this is and it seems like you've done a great job with that saying actually with with your goal in mind of normalizing Uh, and showcasing um the sikhi lifestyle i think you've done a, a brilliant job of that um the other the, and i think I, that's a like you said it's down to personal preference right like if if somebody's goal is not related to promoting sikhi and sikhi lifestyle then and they might not it might not be relevant for them to show that and and i've seen parents that you know now like they'll put a heart on their child's like face just to cover it and and they've put on their stories and they said well people are asking us why we're not sharing our children's faces um on there uh, and i totally get understand why um that they're doing that um it's not a problem for me i don't never look at someone and think why are they doing that um in the same way they're probably not looking at me the way i do it but the other thing is as well that like you're saying certain coverage and and other things that we're we're showcasing um we belong in in certain places that we're not really represented in um so we shouldn't shy away from you know showing our identity um as well um about who we are um, but the the other thing is as well with it how much can we actually control mm. as well um it's very difficult because you know we got no control really over what someone else does really um and we don't there's certain things we don't know what's going on yeah. uh with it so how can you let it you know worry you to the point that you know you're always wrestling over is this the right thing or not to do but one thing i will say is that because um when we was on uh when Simo you know had the you know racism issue and there was well um sort of showcased in in the, in the UK media um about what happened i was asked the question why why am i doing this why am i showing uh, why am i sharing this um as well um you know why have we done what we've done with it and and what not and we were really questioned about it on i remember on the bbc asian network and simo was really questioned about it he was only 10 years old but they were really probing to get an answer to why why are we making such a hoo-ha about this um and i said look um from the beginning we've just been sharing our family life with everybody um you know like you said at the beginning just sharing photos people need to get to know you first they need to like you first before they even want to listen to anything you've got to say so i said we were just sharing our normal life before this happened so it's not like hey 
uh, hang on a minute, this has happened all of a sudden and we want to share this because we're going to get a big name for it or that it's going to go everywhere. We're just doing what we do and then this has happened. So for us, it can't be like, well, you can't show this good stuff. And then when something challenging comes along, you just say, oh, this is not happening. I'm not going to talk about this. It doesn't work like that. Um, yeah. And the other thing is people don't really appreciate that racism exists unless you unless you share your experience with it, right? I had a conversation with a South African patient today and she was talking about racism during employment. And, um, you know, unless that's highlighted, unless I, I had an experience actually in the NHS where um, uh, an, an IT manager actually, I'm not going to say the trust, but he came into the room and he goes, all right, Mohammed, and to me, and this is a room full of people of, of my cohort, um, my colleagues, and no one said anything. And uh, I actually didn't say anything to him. I just thought, I said, my name's not Mohammed, regardless of whether it is Mohammed or not. It's just completely disrespectful what, what he said. And, uh, but that's obviously accepted culture within that organization. But that's one of probably a million things that happens every day around the country to lots of people from ethnic minority groups. But unless somebody actually is going to talk about these things, how is anything going to change? Um, you know, any kind of discrimination or, or um, uh, tyrannical uh, <laughs> um, uh, practices will just continue. So yeah. I, think it's, I think it's been important what you've done. Um, you're, you're very productive. Uh, we talked about this off air. And also, we have had conversations about habits and that kind of stuff in the past. So how do you kind of manage four kids, all of the stuff you're doing, charity work, having being married, all of this sleeping, eating? Yeah. I mean, that is, that is something, you know, I, I get asked quite a lot. I look at other people as well that have very busy lives as well. And I always used to ask myself that question and then ask them that as well. How are they able to do whatever it is that they do? And, you know, there's the, the old saying, isn't it? We've all got the same 24 hours in a day uh, and we can always, whatever it is we want to do, we can always make it happen, isn't it? We always do find a time for something that we want to do, whether it's our favorite TV show or, you know, however we want to relax or whatever, we will find the time uh, for that um so but well like you said habits is an important thing and i remember you know sort of three three years ago now when you and uh, benji dushenko were doing that you know uh, i think it was a mental health uh, sort of workshop wasn't it i think yeah. um a family retreat and you mentioned to me i was sitting there to that point i was always like you know i'm a procrastinator um, I can't get things done. I'm like this and I'm like that. And always kind of, you know, putting yourself down that you can't do certain things. Um, very inconsistent. Yeah. Um, that, you know, you can always uh, do something for a couple of days and then you just can't do it after that. So when you introduced me to to that book, Atomic Habits, which I've got on my shelf, I was, that's why I was looking over there. It's on the shelf. Um, that really was massive for me and obviously we know that that's you know sold millions of copies all over the world and it's helped so many people uh with it but it's just a basic thing of um of a habit tracker um to the point that you know those habits um they become you at first you are keeping the habits but then the habits become you that life that lifestyle takes over um so habits are daily habits as well and we're talking about our psyche and we're talking about spirituality and we're talking about everything everything that we do daily it just becomes who we are automatically so it's not a struggle anymore to you know like you said doing things that you find hard to do um, eventually you get to the point where it becomes a way of life and that is the key thing isn't it when when this is your life and you realize that this is my purpose um, these are the things that i value um, this is this is me right? Um, and then you, you're driven by wanting to do more things. Like you said, you know, um, when you when you see there's a need to do something, um, then you're always battling with your own imposter syndrome as well, all the time, whether you know, you're the right person to do this or whatever it is that you're that you're trying to, to manage everything. And the thing is that we are dynamic as humans, aren't we? We adapt to situations. So whether I've got three kids or four kids or five kids or whatever it is, I'm going to adapt 
the situation. Uh, whatever my situation is my situation. Uh, whatever my lifestyle is, it's mine. Yours is different to mine. Um, so, you know, we um, you know, we do adapt in that way and we, we do get on with things. Um, and like you said, it's, it's about um, not getting too stressed out uh, with things to the point that you know, you've got to keep enjoying things. You've got to um, realize you are privileged. Like we said before, you know, it's not getting to-do list, to-do list, to-do list. It's a get-to-do list, like we said before, isn't it? You're privileged to have the opportunity to do many things with many different people, uh, learn new things um, all the time, and look, progress uh, in personal development, in in, your, in psyche, in your spirituality, and everything. It's a privilege. We are quite grateful. Uh, we are quite blessed as well. We need to realize that because in our nine to fives, in our weekends and everything, this all gets lost. We just forget about all of this stuff. And social media highlights it even more. Technology highlights it even more. All our failings and all supposedly other people's successes and all the things we are not doing and all the things that they are doing. And our thoughts automatically make us feel like we are like low and we're doing, you know, we are bad and we're not doing the right things and everybody else is doing the right things. Um, so it's really huge. <laughs> it's not just about uh, sort of like a, a daily sort of lifestyle. There's so many things that are incorporating that. Yeah, there's a lot of books on on habits out there at the moment. Um, just to mention a few, Charles Duhigg has one uh, called The Power of Habits, and he looks at a few high-profile people in there like Michael Phelps, uh, talks about techniques like visualization. Um, there's an, another one I, I read, I think it's uh, by uh, an Irish author, and it's called, I think it's called Small Habits or Tiny Habits. And that was a really good book as well because it, it looks at making things so We'll get into that, actually. What I wanted to ask you is, in your journey um, related to habits and rituals and, and behavior and, and kind of um, human performance and, and, and uh, lifestyle hacking and all these kind of things, what, um, what have your realizations been over the last couple of years in terms of what works, what doesn't work, what, what things are helpful, that kind of stuff? I mean, one of the biggest things for me was uh, with the habits so it was about establishing a morning sort of mid and evening sort of routine, um, you could say. So I actually bought the um, James Clear journal <laughs> from Atomic Habits where he talks about how you do it as in like you can either write them down and then and color them in and tick them off. Or, you know, he, he, sp he speaks about the, um, the marbles, isn't it, in the jar as well when, you, when you're doing things and you, you're putting them in there. So I, I started off by doing uh, 15 habits a day, um, like making sure that the whole thing was filled out. Um, and I was doing very well with it. Um, and then I remember, the, I think it was the Easter holidays or something like that, where it just went to pot. I couldn't do anything. Um, and then I felt bad. And I'm like, I was achieving so much before, and now I feel bad because I can't do anything. Um, so that had a, a negative effect on me. Then I realized that, hey, life is going to happen. Yeah, You're going to have some days where you just can't do anything um, and not to be too downhearted about that. You are obviously you know, in uh, exercise and fitness and, and everything like that where you know that people have cheat days and things like that. So I kind of incorporated that with this and said, look, these are my cheat days. <laughs> like when it's a weekend, okay, um, I've got like, you know, I can't do 15 habits on a, on a weekend when I'm with the kids, right? Because on a work day, I could probably can. So on the weekend, what are the most important ones uh, for me? Um, like, you know, do my affirmations, reading the daily hukam nama, things like that, these habits that I have that are non-negotiable. Um, I have to do them every day, right? So then I made a small list uh, for the weekend and making sure that I can do them so I feel good. Like I've done five of them. I've not done five out of 15. And I'm thinking, you know, what's happened to the other 10 here? That's not a good day. This is setting yourself up to fail um, ultimately. So look at what your sort of, you know, um, lifestyle is like, uh, what you're able to do. And, you know, don't set yourself up for fail. Don't, don't be too hard on yourself um, that you're not doing these things Try and make it as easy as possible um, for you uh, with it. But also it's like um, 
the journey of, as you all know as well, the journey of sort of personal development, uh, self-improvement, whatever you want to call it, is really been intensified during lockdown because we've had a lot of more time to look into these things. And these things have come more to the forefront as well um, because people have um, used social media uh, technology and everything to drive these things because they've not been happening in person. So it's been much easier to become part of different groups um, and, and look at yourself. But ultimately, the, the, what we need to realize um, is that we are not in competition with other people. And that's a really difficult thing to um, kind of comprehend because when we are in, in, in the workplace, um, you know, Western culture, corporate. So I used to work in corporate before before I worked for a mental health charity. It is really dog eat dog. It's climbing the career ladder. It's you know you are competing against everybody, um, and that's really hard to shed that outside out of you. And that's the problem. That's what I've seen a lot with the habits and everything. It's almost like we're programmed to do certain things, and these things that you know that we are learning now you know, through our self-improvement and everything. We were not taught these things at school. We're not taught any of this stuff. So it's really, it's not really our fault that we get to a certain age and we don't know how to, what's important and how to, you know, how to manage our money um, and, you know, how to, you know, set goals for ourselves. And, you know, as you said in Atomic Habits and and all these other books, it's not about the goals that you set because we are like, oh yeah, I need to, you know, get this house or I need to get this car or I need to get, whatever these goals are that we have, nothing wrong with them. But what happens next after that, when we get these things, that's things that we've not been taught about how to put systems in place, isn't it? As you know, that doesn't matter. We can achieve whatever it is. The system behind it, um, the process behind it is more important than the actual goal itself. Just a few things, I don't know. (laughs) So a couple of things off the back of what you said which has made me think quite a bit is um, one of the points quite a few years ago, I was following a lot of Brian Tracy stuff on the internet and um, I was doing really well with it and career wise, my income doubled and I was doing really well professionally, but it was very unbalanced. So there was no satisfaction in it really because it was, it was just being in the rat race essentially. So I think one thing with goals is that you need to make sure they, they're balanced. It can't just be all work. You have to have some, relational goals like family stuff or connection with other individuals friends be it and there's got to be spiritual goals that all that needs to be there otherwise you're just you'll end up achieving your goals but not being happy which is seems pointless the other thing i wanted to share was a quote by warren buffett one of the greatest investors in history and um, it's the shackles of habits are too young to be felt in the youth, but too heavy to be broken in, in old age. And I, I wow. uh, so that's, that's a, I think a really good quote in relation to habits that we are kind of getting close to middle age. And, um, yeah. and so like now is a really important time to kind of have sorted ourselves out a little bit because um, it's going to be very difficult after 40, 50, 60 years of habits to then try and um, try and change. And I noticed, I noticed that with people with alcoholism or um, that type of, those types of compulsive behaviors, it, if it's been there for 50 years, it's, it's very difficult to, to break away. Not impossible, but difficult. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch upon was what you said about being unrealistic. I think the problem that I found was I'd send, I'd, do really well for a couple of days and then I'd up my goals. So from 15, I'd have like 50. And then you, then you, you're setting yourself up for failure, as you said, because you're not going to be able to achieve that consistently um, on a tough day when things are busy, family stuff happens, somebody gets ill, all of that kind of stuff. And then you feel, I personally get really antsy. I'm antsy with the kids. I'm like, you know, I need to do this. I need my time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's really important is to, to have realistic expectations um, and, and maybe like set five minutes similar as a goal as opposed to like five hours. And then if you can do five hours, that's brilliant. But at least you don't feel like a failure if you, if you, can, if you only get five minutes in in the day. Um, and the last thing is that I think 
well, personally, I, I move on from habits too, too soon. So uh, one the habit that I've been working on is getting my patient notes done in a timely fashion, which is a very laborious and tedious task that it takes so long and it's not really engaging in terms of there's no interaction and just sitting writing in front of a laptop. But I've worked on that for a couple of months, but as soon as I let that habit slip, because I think, oh, yeah, I've got that down, I don't need to have that, yeah. then then you kind of regress and go back to default. So it does take a long time to to formalize these these habits, these of behavior change. And, and that's the beauty of it, because with anything, you can get complacent and think, yeah, I'm really doing great with these. And then before you know it, you, you know, take a bit of a fall and you realize that, okay, you know, I wasn't, you know, and it's the quality of them as well. It's not just ticking things off these habits. You have to look eventually at the quality of these habits as well. And is it just a tick box exercise? Like, you know, am I just reading the Hukam Nama, like, because I need to read it or do I actually understand what it is? Or, you know, when it's a nice short one, you're like, oh, that's great. When it's like really long one, you're like, oh, like, you know, you know, it does happen, right? It's, it's human nature. Um, but the the other thing as well that, that I forgot to mention, and we hear it all the time now as well, is like, what is your why, isn't it? Um, with anything. So I like to split up everything um, that I do and have uh, my own little why for everything. So when times are hard or when just things feel mundane, I feel bogged down with it, I read that again and for everything. And then I know it kind of refreshes me and resets me and I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, it's really important that I recommend that to anybody because that is your why, not anybody else's. And that's personal to you. And you don't need to, when you're feeling down, you don't need to go and talk to anybody, but you can be reminded exactly why you do what you do. It's really important. And is that a system you've come up with yourself or is there some guidance out there in terms of the areas of life that you need to have a why for or did you make it up? I mean, I just hear a lot of people saying, what's your why? Everywhere. During the lockdown, it's just everywhere. The development side of everything, it comes down to your why. Everyone says that. You know, it just I was echoing uh, in my ears for such a long time. And I struggled to write it down because I didn't want to. It was a bit difficult for me <laughs> to write stuff down. Um, because another thing that, you know, I've started doing, which is massive with de development, is journaling, uh, where, you know, for a long time, I was carrying stuff around in my head. And before I actually entered mental health industry, it was a bit of a cliche. You know, people say, you know, writing is, is therapy, isn't it? Um, and I never believed it because I thought, what's the point in writing something down? <laughs> I've got it in my head. I know exactly, you know, what it is and planned out and da-da-da-da-da. There's no point in writing stuff down. What does it do? Then I actually started doing it and I realized that the load that's up here is coming down onto the paper. And your hands are, you know, getting tired writing this out. And, you know, you're just writing it there and you're leaving it and you never look at it again. Yeah. And it, it does help for that clarity. Yeah. But there's times I don't want to journal. I don't want to write stuff down because it's too uncomfortable, like seriously. And I have to really, and then I, I just maybe write a little bit, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think I think journaling as well. To add to that, I think writing things down is different to typing things. I think there's a there's a kinesthetic cognitive process of when you're physically writing the words and your eyes are reading the words is different to typing. And that's my experience and an experience that I've found other people have had as well. Um, again, that's one of the Brian Tracy things. It's like you've got to have a notebook. You've got to write things down. If it's not written down, it's not done, essentially. Like, you know, you have to have you know lists for things you have to have goals for things you've got to you've got to get it all down so i think that would greatly improve people's lives as well having some kind of notebook or journal absolutely um so let's get on to the actual questions that people have asked uh, the first question is how do you pick a partner um, that's an interesting one as i was saying to you before because um you know in terms of as you said how do you pick a partner how do you um like you said before uh, ask the right questions to somebody um when we were talking obviously before like you know when when it came to to my time to uh, meet my partner it wasn't a case of asking lots of questions uh, because we were you know ironically we um went to college together but 
Oh, my my dad and uh, Navrupko's dad actually worked together as well, even before that. Wow. Um, so, you know, our journey began a long time before we actually knew that we were maybe destined for each other, right? So we actually went to college together. We didn't really talk to each other that much. It was a case of maybe I know who she is, she knows who I am and whatever. She thought I was... Um, uh, I was a bit of a rude boy, to be honest, because he's hanging around with the Punjabi boys and were up to no good and, and, you know, the rest of it. And I used to think, because she never used to hang around with anyone with brown skin, I used to think she was, you know, quite, you know, didn't want to know her own people and all this lot and, and that and the other. So we were familiar with each other like that. Um, and then um, I think she used to work in a leisure centre. I used to go to the gym and we maybe could pass cross once or twice, but it was only sort of, you know, many years later when I'd actually come into Sikki um, and uh, she was coming into Sikki as well, um, that she um, approached me randomly, um, you know, at, at Nagarkitan, lo- local Nagarkitan. Um, and she said, you know, you used to go to college, blah, 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 all this stuff. And she's like, you know, she had a lot of questions about Sikki. Um, and it really began from there. Um, that we just doing local seva together and things like that. And before you knew it, you know, uh, people said, you know, you'd probably be a good match for each other. Uh, we felt it as well. Um, and then, you know, from that, really, we we just decided that, you know, we wanted to live this uh, life uh, as for as six, really. Uh, we wanted to follow Sikki. That was really at the forefront of everything that we were doing then we never really spoke about uh, when we get married you know we're going to live here we're going to you know uh, I don't know, have this car or whatever it is we didn't even talk about this stuff we didn't even talk about having children or not, and, and that may sound crazy to a lot of people but it's just how it happened um, it's like we started um, our life and we then figured everything out afterwards and yes it's had trials and tribulations ups and downs things like that but we've also seen a lot of other people that have done everything under the sun before they've got married and then when they do get married they're just staring at each other and go what do we do now <laughs> because they've done everything together all of the things they've discovered everything before they've got married um thinking that the marriage was going to do something else after that so we've actually um probably like yourselves as well we've discovered life together um afterwards um so Going back to the question, um, as you said, you know, how do you pick a partner? Um, what I would say is that you know, it's really important um, to look at what it is that you want in your life um, and that the person is somewhat aligned to that. You're never going to get someone you 100% agree with on everything. It's just not going to be possible. But I always say 95% is good. You know, um, the other five percent, you know, makes things interesting, right? Um, so, you know, just be be honest as well with what it is that you are looking for. That's that's the big thing, and be honest in your answers as well. The last thing is that you want to do is be dishonest um, to, for the sake of getting married to a particular person, maybe, and then afterwards it comes out with well, you said this, you're going to do this, you're not interested in this or whatever it is, then that's just building resentment afterwards. And we've seen it happen uh, with other people. Um, talk about, you know, um, the partner that you want, you know, what, what is it that you want for your children? Um, you know, how do you want to raise them? In Sikhi, do you want to raise them as, as, you know, with the identity of a Sikh? Do you want to raise them, you know, uh, you want them to be educated? You know, uh, what's your home setup going to be like? Um, does, does your partner, you know, meet with your spiritual goals? you know, financial goals, health goals. And, you know, there is an alignment there that, you know, somewhat you are heading the same way. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I don't think I could uh, say that any better and more eloquently. That was brilliant. Um, with me and Darshan Kaur, we, uh, the person who introduced us, she knew we were both kind of into fitness. Darshan Kaur used to run a lot and I used to do Thai boxing. and. Um, I was an osteopath. Her dad was an osteopath. So that was like another thing that she thought there's some connection there or correlation there. And um, she asked me loads of questions when we met. She had actually, she first two times we met, she had a list of questions that she had prepared. So she, she was very strong-minded and I was very intimidated by her that, uh, yeah. when we met. And I didn't have any questions for her. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I can... 
I think when we got married, the times were different as well. Like now I have lots of patients who are in their 30s and they're not married out of choice. And that, that was unusual when, when we got married. Uh, at those times, it was like 24, 23, you'd finish uni and you got a job and you got married. It was just the way things were. There was, I got married in 2010. YouTube came out in 2008. So I'm dating myself. You know, there, was, there, there was none of this like getting married off Facebook, people meet off Facebook and these other apps. And it was just through mutual connection. So I think things have changed. There is a lot more um, options for people. And I think that's not necessarily a good thing because uh, you can have this thing where, oh, what if there's somebody better? What if there's somebody better? Um, and yeah, social media distorts perception as well in terms of what your life should be like, what married life should be like. Um, but I think speaking to Darshan Gaur about things that people usually have conflict conflicts around in relationships it is related to like mother-in-laws and the in-law dynamic so whether you're gonna be married into a family if the husband's really adamant he wants to stay with the family and you're not then that's probably something you should talk about beforehand yeah. might be worth um and another thing that you touched on is i have a friend who his he's a sing his wife it, her dad's a sing but she didn't want to uh, if they had a baby to for him to have long hair so they actually got a divorce over this like so i think but they were dating before they obviously he's a, he's a saint so he expected that but that's probably a conversation to be had as well whether you want to bring up your children and what kind of lifestyle you want to have them to do especially if it's, um if there's one person's into it and the other one isn't or into faith and that kind of stuff yeah i mean you know you echo what you said there as well, 100%. I think um, it's always good to have that clear, not 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 like, you know, rubber stamped, but, you know, you, the lines are, are there set, boundaries are set to say, look, this is, and then that's the time to have those conversations mm-hmm. um, at that point, not later on down the line when there's so much more at stake as well, mm-hmm. you know, than to turn around and say, well, actually, no, um, and you've not had the conversations before. And the thing is as well, there can be in finding a partner, there can be so much superficial stuff and surface level stuff that you never get the opportunity to go deep with these questions. Mm. There's so many other people involved as well, especially in our culture um, that you don't actually even get the opportunity um, to, to, to ask these things and, and form these sort of opinions and, and this vision of what your life is going to be like. It almost gets missed um, yeah. because we're looking at so much other, like you said, the social media life um and you know the you know the, the day itself as well is so much focus on that rather than the actual you know yeah life definitely. definitely and also within our well i don't know about your your family and your culture but um within my family the people that i know there's so much of this um you know what caste are they what age are they what what education do they have like um you know finances all of that kind of stuff which i think is important but there's probably, like you said, lots of people who are the same car, same age, same like whatever gen, um, locality. So they, they, they can't, if they're not going to get on in their marriage, then you kind of think, well, what, what was the point, right? You're so like, you know, you're so fixed. A person might say, well, they have to be like this. As long as they're like this, you can marry who you want. But, you know, shouldn't we be looking more at the person and their qualities as opposed to... Um, but what their surname is or X, Y, Z. Absolutely. Um, uh, I t- totally agree. Like uh, the old, the common one is where, you know, a dad will say to their daughter, you have to marry someone with a distard and that's it. Yeah. And yeah. then that's, that's it. The that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the only criteria. <laughs> and that happens as well. Um, where, you, like you said, you know, it, for us, uh, for maybe our parents' generation or whatever, that this, is, this was the requirements because they from their time as well that's what it was like wasn't it but now things have become a lot more complicated um than that like you mentioned even about social media and stuff you said you got married in 20 2010 we got married in 2008 so there, were, there wasn't even whatsapp then you know <laughs> you know like that but like i said now if you wanted to check someone out you check their social media profile out right yeah. where have they been who they're hanging around with what are they doing it's all there for everybody to see right before yeah. form an opinion 
The other thing I want to just mention is that probably something that you, you wouldn't be um, privy to, but with us on our patients, um, and anonymously, but she'll have conversations with me about general themes and trust is a theme as well. So husbands who have like gambling habits or um, wives who um, have drinking habits, which they have their families don't know about, or um, husbands who are still talking to ex-partners and all of that kind of stuff. I think like um, that's another thing that you really want to kind of, um, if you if you have uncertainties about that, you probably want to just not pursue that relationship because if you don't have trust you're kind of um you're losing before you've already started it's what it's foundation isn't it it's what it's built on yeah um, and you, you know that 100 percent. Th- those things are just and the thing is like those things that you mentioned they're a drinking problem gambling problem or talking to somebody else or whatever it is in our culture over time marriage has been seen as a fix to those things get married we are yeah. And that's going to sort it out. Yeah. <laughs> no, you've just ruined someone else's life. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, lastly, on this topic, I just want to say that Darshan Kaur was really different when we got married and I was really different. And um, you do evolve and change together as well, right? So I guess like if the person's not 100% what you want, you have to recognize that in five years time, they're probably not going to be the same person. Um, so I think there's there's general characteristics that I think that Sikhi teaches in terms of daya, um, santok, you know, like uh, sat, like you know, truthfulness, compassion, uh, patience, you know, sabr. And I think if somebody has these characteristics, that personally I feel that will go a lot further than what they're like in this this particular moment in time, what job they have, you know, <clears throat> where they you know, which family they come from. I think if they have those qualities and you can find somebody with those qualities, then you're, you know, you're like a investment. <laughs> That's the word I was just going to say. And you said it qualities, those gun that someone's got that, that Vaigru has blessed them with. Anna. That's more than anything, because from that, everything can grow. You can teach someone how to do something, right? But you can't teach them how to, you can't implement those virtues in that. You can't change their character. Like like that so easily, right? Yeah, like soft speech as well, thinking mm-hmm. of that, how that would help in a marriage. And Dashko says how she went to private school and um, and it was a predominantly white private school. And then so her whole career and her whole life, she's been taught to be this like type A person who's assertive and who doesn't take any BS and, and um, you know, just works hard and gets what they want. And then you're married and you have to somehow like adjust to another person, compromise, not always get your way. And the other person has to do the same thing. But the role of role of females have changed, right? Predominant, like my grandma's generation, they worked at home they, in terms of cooking. And that was, and they had the communities and that was about it. Whereas women now are expected to be in, in careers, expected to be mums um, and fulfill all those responsibilities. So, it's not necessarily conducive to um, the t- kind of, yeah, the kind of um, upbringing that I think in the 21st century that uh, we're having as males and females isn't necessarily conducive to uh, working through really tough times in a marriage. That's just my yeah. opinion. No, totally, you know, and, you know, thing, things are totally changing, like you said, um, and, you know, main thing is as you mentioned that you you can adapt to someone not everyone's going to tick all your boxes um but you need to see like you said does does somebody have are you just energies are right you know intuition and you know like we sometimes ignore how we're feeling inside it's more than more often than not it's the right thing you're feeling that this is the right thing to do then you know you, you go with it right amazing um, how do you resolve issues in your marriage? <laughs> Good question. I'm still learning. <laughs> and that's the one thing as well. It's very important. We're always learning this stuff, like you said. We're always evolving um, with this. Um, but conflicts within a marriage is very interesting dynamic because, <clears throat> as you mentioned before, um, how would we uh, resolve conflict within our family as well? How would we would we treat our I don't know brother or sister? 
father or mother different to how we treat our wife or husband when we have a conflict with them yeah um it's most important to um you know and if you're into sikhi in and your partner is your is a good sikh as well <clears throat> So how do you treat other good Sikhs? How do you resolve conflicts with them? How do you speak to them? How do you speak to your wife or your husband? What do you class your wife or your husband as first when you having get into the stage of a conflict um, with them? But one of the most important things, um, and we are we don't really do enough of it, is listening. <laughs> we don't listen to what the other person is saying. Uh, we struggle uh, because that is a skill in itself uh, that you have to learn. I've had to learn that skill and I'm always learning that skill to just sit there and listen to someone without jumping in without thinking whatever it is just listen to what they got to say um because more often than not we've not listened we've just made up our own assumption what it is that they're saying or whatever it is um and we've just missed the boat there the communication there is is key listening what's the person saying what's their concerns you know what what is it that they want from us or whatever it is whatever they're putting out there we need to first listen to them um and then after that once we've listened to what it is that they've got to say then we can respond uh and ask questions in a conflict there's nothing wrong with asking questions to find out what it is um that we need to know in order to resolve the conflict but look these going to be differences all the time um you have to embrace these differences as well you are who you are your partner is who they are you are together you are you are you know on a journey together but you are separate entities um you got separate upbringing separate everything um you know inside things different are ingrained inside you um because of various reasons embrace those differences as well but one of the biggest things a conflict ego in a marriage is just a destroyer of a marriage um and we've had it in sometimes and i'm in ego or you know my wife's been in ego whatever it is but that the ego there is just is detrimental um to a marriage where you know it's not about me winning and she's losing because then i'm losing as well it's somehow you need to find that win win mentality um where you know you encouraging the other person uh to want to do well even better than you um it can be can be hard it's not a competition uh, where conflicts can arise from you know there's always it's you know sometimes this conflict just does happen but sometimes there's more often than not there's always a build up and Jibendi, her boss gave her this book when she became a manager uh, believe it or not and um you know this book that she read she then shared with myself and you know the principles in there that if you live your life by these four agreements they really will change your life it's a book by don miguel ruiz so do check it out because it is a game changer so for us how it changed things for us by living by these four simple principles being the first one to be impeccable with your word so the word carries so much weight it can you know make or break uh, somebody uh, a conflict in a, in a relationship as well things that are said they cannot be returned as well um so be impeccable with your word what you say you know, live by what you say um is so important how we carry ourselves and and the weight of the of the word and the second one being um don't take things personal which is very very difficult we've lived our whole life taking things personal um you know when somebody says something it may not be you know directed at us but we've immediately thought that they're talking about us um and you know we've it's not about us and what he says in there is so deep that basically anything that somebody says or does or how they behave or whatever it is it's not about us it's about them which is so powerful why can i just interrupt you there yeah, i think that is really powerful and i really like what you're saying I made some notes earlier as we were going and one of the things I wanted to ask you was sometimes when me and Darshko are arguing and I know it happens with other couples as well it becomes um like you use a lot of absolutes so I'll say you're so this or you're just this or you always do this and it becomes like an attacking game she's attacking me and my character I'm attacking her and her character if you you were talking about listening earlier if you're let, let's say Benji's attacking you how do you 
how do you get past that without sticking your chest out and arguing? Absolutely. Um, and that is the biggest thing because we want to defend ourselves. And But we need to realize that what is it this person is saying? Like, you know, if it's your partner um, and, yes, they may be venting or their uh, let's say, or their way of doing it may not be the right way um, of doing it, we need to listen to what they've got to say first uh, because if we want to resolve the conflict or better ourselves, and it can be very hard in the heat of the moment, don't get me wrong, but what is it that they're saying? Uh, and why is it why is it causing us so much bother? Uh, because it's probably true <laughs> what they're saying, um, but their their way of doing it is wrong. But then this is where we get to the stage where we resolve in the conflict because we are not talking like that in the first place because we're impeccable with our word right from the beginning. Because when we start to do that, then it's just uh, you know when some when the other person's not responding then who are you having an argument with? Who are you raising your voice to? Uh, one person has to be the person, in not in an uh, egotistical way, where you are, sh- you know, or just saying, well, I'm not listening and I'm gone from this or whatever it is. You have to try to uh, remind the other person, you know, because you get lost in anger, lost in ego, whatever it is, to remind the person, you know, bring yourselves back to the moment as well. That's important because we can get lost in, in here and away somewhere else and we don't realise what we're saying or doing. We lost control. That's the biggest thing. And this is the thing um, where it really tests our character. When something happens, do we just lose it or not? What Can we control ourselves? Yeah. Um, that's the biggest thing you know like i know it's different because it's your partner you will know because of sports right when you're on the field of play someone will say whatever they want to get a reaction out of you right how can you control yourself in the heat of the moment when someone is saying the worst things to you yeah that may they may feel like they're personal whatever how do you control yourself and that's something that's a daily challenge isn't it for everybody you know who they're dealing with like just one real brief thing like you might just be driving in your car and someone comes along and sticks a finger up at you or whatever and you're raging you know why have you done that for this person's a stranger you're never going to see them again in your life you know whatever it is it's a context that you apply to things i've not done nothing wrong or if i have done do i deserve that person to do that to me probably not it's about them because they're raging for some some other reason they don't even know you like I'm just, you know, that's just a really small example um, of how do we control ourselves, you know, generally. Yeah, I um, remember reading somewhere that they were saying it was is very controversial, but the guy was saying how you treat your wife is a good or husband is a, is a good testament to your, your character because they are the person who can, who know how to push your buttons the most out of anybody else. So... I think that's um, pertinent. And, and that is so true because with your Benji, she knows me better than I know myself and that's annoying at times and that's hard for me to handle because she will know. <laughs> and like you said, she's pushing those buttons and I know it's true and it's hard for me to handle it sometimes. Okay, okay so we're going to leave number three and four. I'll have to get you on another podcast for those. Um, what's the most challenging part of being a husband? And the most rewarding challenging is uh, i think as a man generally the pressure that you put on yourself all the time um and i'm guilty of that as well um to live up to some sort of expectation and obviously you know in terms of gurmat in terms of sikki you know the, the the role of a husband um the role the role of a father um all of these roles that we have is is the pressure that we're putting on ourselves um and that's probably the hardest thing for me the 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 levels that i want to reach and you know how i'm sort of you know speaking to myself um how i'm you know looking at reflecting on my life and 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 whatnot is probably for me um the hardest part of of knowing what i need to live up to um, as well on a daily basis um and you know that's financially as well 
you know, spiritually be, being the person, the strong one or whatever, um, you know, health wise and, and every, every single area, um, of, of the, of the setup of our sort of family life, um, and husband, the role of a husband, um, it's probably that for me, the pressure, um, that, that you put on yourself. And um, what's the most rewarding part of being a husband? I think the most rewarding part and would be taking, taking me back to when we first got married, we love spending time together. Um, you know, we'd look forward to the weekend, you know, was working all week and rewarding is having that person there that you love to spend the time with. Um, but for me, uh, with my wife, especially, um, is that I know she's always got my corner, always hundred percent. Uh, she's always got my back. Um, and that for me is to have someone like that, um, who's always looking out for my best interests, uh, always pushing me and, and everything but for me, that is, that is rewarding being her husband, uh, in itself. Can I just say before we end that, um, having listened to having known you for a few years and also listening to the podcast that you did with that Sikh mama, where you talked about, Benji was talking about how she was struggling and, and she mentioned how you were just listening to her concerns. And I think it's admirable the way you handle things, the way you are around. I think it's, you're a great role model, I think, for husbands and for dads. Um, so I just want to you know, commend you on that because I, I don't think it's, especially in our culture, it's like you, you know, often the woman is put down and it's like, the man's, you know, tells the woman what to do and he's the right one and all this kind of stuff. But, you, you know, you, you're very humble in your approach um, as, a, as a dad and as a husband. And I think it's a, a really good example that you're setting. Um, and that comes across even though you might not be trying to, trying to make that come across. Um, so lastly, what one piece of advice would you give to people? The tagline of this podcast is inspiring the next generation so if you could give one piece of advice to somebody what would it be it's, it sounds really simple but just be yourself <laughs> um for me because that's something i'm always looking at um be yourself uh, be genuine um and you know do what feels right um don't do something just because of somebody else um, you know, and don't be somebody you're not. I know you asked me for one tagline, but it's, it's all related to, to, um, I could say like quotes and things like that, but that's the most important thing really, because you always know who you are and you're never in, never struggling to be something because one biggest thing, and I know you just asked me for an ending here. I always growing up, I always struggled to be myself. I was never around the right people. Um, and that's the one thing you were reading about a husband that said, around my wife, I can always be myself. And that's just be yourself. You will, if, you str if you're struggling to be yourself around certain people, they're not the right people for you. Trust me. Uh, and it's difficult, I know, because it's hard to break out of, of circles and, and things like that. But you, you, if you become yourself, you will find the right people. They will find you. That's amazing. And where can people get in touch with you? Where can they connect with you? Uh, mainly on through Instagram, we seek dad um, from there. Um, but I'm on Twitter as well, and you know, do have the website and 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 whatnot, seekdad.com. Um, but yeah, mainly Instagram. And can you tell us about Seek Parenting? Yeah. So um, Seek Parenting is a is a community that we established uh, a few months ago online, and for a, for quite a while now, we've been kind of speaking to parents on a maybe a one-to-one -one basis um and you know we then were looking at different models like you know with lockdown and how online memberships have been established and you know we thought you know there isn't anything like this out there where it's just for um for sikki and parenting where why don't we you know try to um send that message to many as opposed to one-to-one -one dialogues um, and, you know, we, we didn't know what we were doing when we began it. We were nervous when we started it. Um, and it's just kind of taking care of itself, really. Um, and we have, we have a community um, at the moment. I mean, you guys were, were on there as guest speakers, so maybe you could probably talk about it uh, as well and what you thought of it. But ultimately, it's that, it's that sounding board, that community that we have 
of like-minded individuals that you know we want to we want to progress in our sikhi and there's so many groups out there right now which are great about personal development and self-improvement and things like that but you can't really talk about sikhi in those groups there's not that space for it so we didn't know that but then this is the feedback the members are beginning us that we can talk freely about our spirituality and our sikhi and our trials and tribulations uh here we feel comfortable to do that and this is the thing with it uh with doing seek dad seek mom and everything like what you do as well you know it's about being approachable to other people you wasn't always a good sick neither was i yeah how did we come that way people opened the doors for us and said come through them yeah they gave us their time yeah they made themselves approachable otherwise where would we be now as well so it's our duty to do the same thing uh, to other people and this is what we trying to do with with this community that's amazing and where can people find out more about seek parenting so seek parenting is its own um instagram uh, account as well it's spelled seek s w e k as in seeking to be better parents so our tagline is raising spiritual children amazing so, Yeah. I want to take this opportunity to thank you so much for your time. I know it's late. I know the kids are probably wanting you and um and Benji as well. And so it's very much appreciated. Uh, thank you so much. I'm I'm really grateful for you allowing me to be on here and you know all the great stuff that that you do as well. It's, it's amazing.